coming up. I don't think that I'll ever reach the mental capacity to ever watch the video. You know, I saw my son come in the world and seeing him leave the world is not something that, that I want to see ever. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Nine one one. What's the address? Emergency. Uh, I'm out here at Silver Shores. It's a black male running down the street. So tell where, where, where at Satella Shores? I don't know what street we're on. Stop right there! Stop! Grab it! Sir, hello, sir. Sir, where you at? How long? How long will it take? for the killers of Ahmad Aubrey are finally arrested and put behind bars. What is seen depicted in that video is a crime. It's the crime of murder. I come to tell America that Ahmad blood cries. Tony Green blood cries. Emmett Till blood cries. Sandra Bland blood cries. Freddie Gray blood cries. And so today, I run with Maud. This is not a celebration. This is just a step in the right direction. I personally will not be satisfied until justice is totally rendered. Since it happened, I tried to just sit and think about what he was thinking the last minutes of his of his life. What pains me the most is that he was killed. But then the authorities, they truly, they let me down. It has been one year since Ahmaud Arbery was shot and killed in Brunswick, Georgia. I'm joined today by Ann Schindler. She is executive producer of special projects at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida, and Jacksonville, not too far from Brunswick. Tell me about when you first heard about the case of Ahmad Arbery and and what you first learned early on. Well, when we first started covering this case, it was just before the release of the video that eventually went viral and kind of kicked the story into high gear on a national level. But prior to the release of that video, there had been some local reporting by the Brunswick newspaper, um, which in retrospect, you know, was very important. It actually prompted the New York Times to do a piece. Um, But, you know, Ahmad was killed in late February and the Brunswick newspaper did their first kind of expose or their, you know, their story looking at the circumstances of his killing and the involvement of the district attorney and some of those um, things that became controversial. They did that, uh, I think it was April 1st. And the end of that month, the New York Times did a story about how this hasn't gotten any national coverage or even any local coverage outside of the town of Brunswick, but it's, it's an important story. We started sending a reporter up there, and we did a, a few stories in the days before the video was released, the, and that's the video of, um, that was taken by one of the three men now charged with his murder. And just to remind our listeners, there are now th- these three suspects. They are all three of them still behind bars. That's right. They have submitted a number of requests for bond um, based on a number of sort of interesting and legally tenuous um, grounds. I think some of them have been health-based, some of them have been, you know, evidence-based, and then 
think most recently they've been asking for um, the recusal of the judge and um, basing their legal arguments specifically on the attention that this case has generated and the transition politically that Georgia has experienced since November, essentially, um, and their belief that this blue wave that that hit Georgia is going to elicit bias in uh, the judiciary or, or the court specifically, that the judge will no longer be able to remain impartial. And so w- what would happen? Where would this case end up potentially? I don't think that they're going to get any traction with it, frankly. I mean, you know, they're filing a lot of motions. I haven't any reason to think that those would actually be granted um, by the judge. And a lot of those motions are, like everywhere else in the legal system, delayed by COVID. Um, One of the things that they had been um, asserting in one of the recent filings was perhaps prosecutors had exceeded the threshold of a reasonable time to bring this case. And this is all COVID-related delays, so it's not unique to this court in Georgia, but a lot of things in this case are sort of on hold or or at least not moving rapidly. Remind our listeners about the victim, who he was a little bit. Well, Ahmad Arbery was a 25-year-old um, Brunswick resident. He was a brother and a son and a fairly beloved um, kid. You know, we just spoke to his mother, to Ahmad Arbery's mother the other day um, as part of our preparations for this, you know, year mark look back at his killing. Um, and she is, I mean, he was her baby. She's a, you know, a very um, loving mother and her memories of him are really powerful and, and um, s- strong to hear. Um, she has been one of his most um, ardent and, and really effective advocates in this whole thing, even though she's been, I think, very, you know, it's been hard for her to get her footing as well just because of the shock of it. You know, I think initially what happened, what happened um, from her perspective is, you know, she got a call. She's actually from the Augusta area. So she was there with her mother and she got a call. And the story that she got from law enforcement, from the police chief at that time, was that her son was was shot to death while committing a robbery. Um, and so she was, you know, doubly shocked Um, to think that this was something that occurred when her son was committing a crime. Now, of course, what happened later was the, um, you know, surveillance videos showed that that he and some other people in that neighborhood had wandered into this um, house under construction site on more than one occasion, never taken anything, never done any damage or destroyed anything, but had been on that property. And apparently the, uh, the men involved in his killing suspected that he was, um, I don't know, vandalizing or stealing something or, or perhaps linked to some other burglaries in the area. And so they took it upon themselves to grab firearms and pursue him and uh, use a couple of vehicles to basically trap and corner him. And um, when they confronted him with a shotgun, there was a struggle um, between Ahmad and Travis McMichael, who was holding the shotgun, and, and he was shot and killed. As frustration mounts into how Ahmad Arbery's death has been investigated, Brunswick Pastor John Perry is giving praise to how the city's residents have responded. I would give us an eight. Our citizens have come together, both black and white, 
and all are declaring that justice needs to be rendered in this situation. Perry is pastor of Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church and president of the Brunswick chapter of the NAACP. He says how police initially failed to properly investigate Arbery's case is why there's so much anger almost three months after the 25-year-old's death. Perry says race relations could be improved between the city's youth and police if those at the top are held accountable. We can't entrust them to something that hasn't proven that it can be trusted. A year later, has their defense been further defined or suggested or talked about? They ultimately believe this was a a defensible shooting, a self-defense shooting. You know, they say that this was an incident in which they were uh, threatened that if Travis McMichael hadn't fired that shotgun, that he would have been shot and killed himself. Perhaps if if Arbery had grabbed the weapon, he had... um, some, not bruising, but had some raised marks, according to police on the scene, that he'd said he'd been hit in the face by Arbery um, shortly before he fired. And so he felt, in his words, you know, threatened and and that his life was in peril. And in fact, his father gave the same story. Um, His father, Gregory McMichael, um, said the same story, that, that they had had a scuffle and that I think his words were, you know, he had to do it. He had to shoot him. And as some of our listeners will remember, the third individual involved in the case was actually filming portions of what happened that day, right? That's right. There is a third man who's now charged with murder as well, whose name is uh, William, goes by Roddy Bryan. Um, and he is a neighbor who lived in that Satilla Shores neighborhood. Um, he actually saw the incident begin, saw his neighbors start to chase Ahmad Arbery and got into his own vehicle and gave chase. Um, at some point during that, he uh, actually, I think he said, made contact with Arbery with his vehicle as he was trying to corner him. Um, the other vehicle was also trying to, you know, corner him and, and capture him. And at some point, uh, Roddy Bryan pulled out his cell phone and started recording the chase and then ultimately capturing the um, the struggle and the, and the fatal gunshots that killed Ahmad Arbery after the McMichaels sort of caught him, caught up with him, and and Travis McMichael confronted him with a shotgun. A judge read William Roddy Bryan his rights through a video conference Friday as Bryan stood on the other end of the stream, handcuffed in an orange jumpsuit for his first appearance. He's charged with felony murder and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment connected to the death of Ahmaud Arbery. I represent Roddy Bryan, a witness to the tragic shooting death of Ahmaud Arbery. Mr. Bryan has committed no crime and bears no criminal responsibility in his death. Bryan's attorney maintains his client's innocence, but says Bryan turned himself in Thursday at the request of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And and over the past year, and then maybe more recently, what's been going on in terms of uh, the county there? I think it's Glenn County. Uh, there's been discussions, uh, I'm sure, of the police force, right, and how to handle situations should they arise like this uh, again, the dialogue in Brunswick and in Glen County, Georgia, has been pretty interesting. This is a place that hasn't had a strong history of uh, social protest movements, and they really were taken by storm in terms of the the turnout for a lot of these events, which instigated some soul searching and some real change. And among those things, there was a very controversial district attorney named Jackie Johnson who initially handled the case and then recused herself. But 
She had been involved in a number of other cases in Georgia that had uh, been questioned in terms of the way they were handled, also had a racial component, and she was voted out of office. There are growing demands that prosecutors be removed from office immediately for not pursuing murder charges in the Ahmaud Arbery case. Brunswick DA Jackie Johnson says the investigation will prove she acted properly in recusing herself from the case. We all here for justice. We all here for peace. And with Jackie Johnson in office, it'll be hard for us to get it. We don't feel safe at all or protected by them. It could have been anybody's child. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And what they did was very wrong. There was also a movement to abolished the entire Glynn County police force, and it actually made it from the legislature onto the November ballot. Um, a court challenge found it unconstitutional, and ultimately voters were not allowed to, to vote on it. But it's a reckoning for that police force um, that they've had to handle in a very existential way. I mean, they, you know, understand that there was a movement afoot to just basically abolish the police force altogether. Um, and there have been some, in the Georgia Assembly, there's been some laws that are moving now in this current session that are a direct reaction to this case. There's a, in particular, there's a bill that would eradicate the citizen's arrest uh, provision that allows for people to stop and detain someone that they suspect of a crime. Um, interestingly, that is a law that dates back to the immediate post-slavery era in this country and was basically... Uh, something that enabled white people to stop black people that they, for some reason, were sus suspicious of or, or thought perhaps was were, were engaged in something they shouldn't have been. But it was literally the year that the Emancipation Proclamation took effect that this citizen's arrest law was implemented. Um, and so there is a, a movement to abolish that. And, and that was, you know, critically in this case, this was the excuse that Travis and Greg McMichaels provided that they were trying to detain Ahmaud Arbery because they thought he might have been involved in a burglary. And the second district attorney that took the case found that credible, said that they had the right to effect a citizen's arrest, and therefore everything that followed was essentially justifiable and uh, ultimately then self-defense. And with with COVID, as you mentioned, and with a lot of legal filings, it's unlikely this will go to court anytime soon. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of delays in the legal system everywhere, but most particularly in criminal and, and felony cases. Murder cases are um, virtually impossible to do any other way except with in-person proceedings. And particularly when you get to the stage of picking a jury, that has to be done in person um, the the defense requires it. I mean, they they really wouldn't stand for it otherwise, and and they have a right to have that kind of um, juror presence when they're doing a selection. So, the the court system has slowed down a great deal. Um, the filing system, you know, the filings that are currently pending have not been maybe moving with the same alacrity that they would if this case was on a fast track for trial. All right. Ann Schindler at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. Thanks for so much for talking to us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday with new episodes Monday through Friday. Be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a great review if you like what you hear. And you can check out our full lineup of shows, including Bardstown, The Officer's Wife, and our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, at vaultstudios.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.